Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today we celebrate the third Sunday of Lent. And Lent is a time for us to cleanse our temple, the temple of our soul. And in doing so, in that act of emptying ourselves, Jesus Christ comes and he fills us with all of his grace and of all of his blessing and all of his love and mercy. Now how appropriate. The gospel for this weekend is Jesus Christ cleansing the temple in Jerusalem. Notice what it says. He found in the temple area those who sold oxen, sheep, and doves, as well as the money changers seated there. He made a whip of cords and drove them out of the temple area with the sheep and the oxen, and he spilled the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who sold doves, he said, Take these out of here and stop making my father's house a marketplace. Now, this account is found in all four of the Gospels. So, if all four of the Gospel writers thought this was important enough for them to include in their Gospels, it should be for us. We should tend to the story very carefully. Now, remember, the temple was the most sacred place in all of Israel. It was a place that held the presence of God. And yet, It has now been corrupted. The temple now in the time of Jesus, yes, it is the religious epicenter, but it's also the economic and the political epicenter. Jesus knows this. He knows the corruption. He's appalled that this once sacred place is now a den of thieves. So you say to yourself, why is Jesus so violent? This is probably the only time Jesus is violent In all of the Gospels, always Jesus is this passive, peaceful person. But now he's this violent person, overturning tables and and running people out of the temple area. Well, there's a number of reasons. First and foremost, the temple in Jerusalem, the sole purpose of it was to worship God. It was a sacred place, and now it's been corrupted. The people coming to the temple are not coming to worship God or pray. They're coming to conduct business, to sell or barter. And that's not what the temple was originally intended for. More to it, the marketplace that is set up there, it's become a physical barrier to people. It would be like if Walmart set up a marketplace in your gathering space at your parish or your church, and you could not physically go into your church to pray. And so, what the temple was originally intended to offer God right worship and right praise, you couldn't even go in there if you tried. And I think the thing that irritated Jesus the most was the fact that the religious establishment has been so corrupted during Jesus' time that they allowed 
something like this to take place. And so these are the reasons why Jesus is so incensed and so angry, and why he cleanses the temple. Symbolically speaking, Jesus is cleansing the corruption of his time. He's cleansing the corruption of the political as well as the religious establishment of his time. You could say, in our day and age, he's draining the swamp that is in Jerusalem. Now, it gets worse. We could say it gets better. Jesus says, I will destroy this temple in three days, raise it up. Now, mind you, this is what the worst enemies of Israel have done throughout ancient history. If you look at the Assyrians, the Babylonians, this is what they've done. When they invaded Israel, they sacked the country. Then the last thing they did was go to Jerusalem. They destroyed the capital city, they looted the temple, and then they destroyed the temple. And so, if you are a first century Jew and you are hearing Jesus say this, you're wondering if Jesus is a friend or a foe. If the temple is destroyed, it's like sticking a dagger in the heart of the Israelite nation or the Israelite people. The temple meant everything. It gave the people their sense of identity. For us, it's synonymous with someone destroying St. Peter's Basilica in Rome or the Holy Sepulcher in Jerusalem. If those things were destroyed, it would be like a dagger stuck in the heart of every Catholic. It would destroy us. And yet, Jesus is saying just this. And this is why, from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, the Jews began to conspire against Jesus. Why is that? Because the religious establishment of his time, they wanted to protect the status quo. They wanted to maintain that spirit of corruption that they flourished in, in which Jesus was fighting against. So you say to yourself, okay, so what are we to make of this? Well, first and foremost, this story shows us exactly who Jesus is. Now realize, it's coming from chapter 2 of John's Gospel. From the very beginning of his Gospel, it tells us that Jesus is beginning his ministry, and he's telling us exactly who he is. How often in the Gospels we hear people asking who he is. Jesus, he heals a person, and he says, My child, your sins are forgiven. And then people say what? Who is this person that is able to forgive sins? Remember the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus Christ says, You have heard that is said, but I say to you. Well, Jesus is quoting the Torah. The Torah is the law of God. Jesus is claiming an authority greater than the authority of the Torah. Now Jesus, he cleanses the temple, God's dwelling place. Here he demonstrates a shocking authority over the temple. He even threatens to destroy it. Who but God alone has that power? Jesus clearly demonstrates his authority as well as his identity at the very beginning of his ministry. Now the second thing that we can take from this is personal. Jesus now offers us a challenge to cleanse our own temples, the temples of our bodies. Paul puts it best in Romans. He says, Our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, where God dwells 
and where prayer is central. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit, and that started from the very beginning of our baptism and was confirmed upon us at confirmation. A good question we have to ask ourselves, what might be wrong with the temple of our bodies? Exactly something that went wrong with the temple in Jerusalem. Remember the temple in Jerusalem? It had money changers and vendors and oxen and people that were selling doves. These were all distractions to prevent people from worshiping God. So it begs the question, what's distracting us from praying? What's distracting us from living out our faith in Christ more fully? Now are all different types of distractions. Work, entertainment, power, honor, whatever it is. Well, now is the time. Now is the challenge to open ourselves up. Allow Jesus to cleanse our temple. Another good question we have to ask ourselves, if we do open ourselves up and Jesus cleanses the temple, what does he chase out? Well, I think what might help us is go to the first reading. In the first reading, we have God giving us the Ten Commandments. St. Ignatius of Loyola always taught his Jesuits to perform an examination of conscience before they went to bed. Look at the entire day from the time they woke up to the time that they were about to go to bed and see where they cooperated with God's grace and where they failed to cooperate with God's grace. And then to pray the next day that they could be better people. Well, herein lies the challenge of the gospel, to allow Jesus to enter into our temple while using the Ten Commandments as an examination of conscience. Now, if you look at the Ten Commandments, it's separated into two parts. The first part is the first three commandments that deal with our relationship with God. You could say our fundamental spiritual orientation. If you look at the first commandment, I am the Lord your God. There are no strange gods before me. Do we place God over all the good in our life? The second commandment, do we respect or disrespect God in our speech? The way we speak about God can either honor or denigrate God. The third commandment, do we concretely worship God? Now, it's easy for us to say, you know, God is at the center of my life but we have to show it by right worship. We learn that in the first week of Lent, the story of Noah. We learned that if we have a right relationship with God, we're naturally compelled to offer right worship to God. And that was a problem with Adam and Eve. They no longer saw God as a friend. They saw God as a rival. Therefore, they couldn't offer right worship to God. Well, we are people of prayer, and our church teaches us The Mass is the highest prayer that we can offer God. Therefore, when we come to Mass, we offer God the very best, the best of our will and our intellect, the best of our heart, mind, and soul. If you look at the second part of the commandments, 4 through 10, they deal with our relationship with one another. Look at the fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother. Better yet, a good question to ask, what is the quality of the relationship with the people that are dearest to you. If you talk to any police officers, they'll say the worst violent crimes happen within the family. Domestic abuse, domestic violence. 
Some of the worst grudges people hold are with family members. Look at the fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill. How do we promote life? Do the relationships that we have with others are life-giving or life-taking? Take it to another level. St. Thomas Aquinas once said, If we gossip, if we slander someone's good name, we've just sinned against the fifth commandment. We've killed that person's good name, their good reputation. How about the eighth commandment? Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Do we make up stories? Do we make up stories to elevate ourselves or maybe to put down others? We have to speak the truth. It isn't easy, especially in this day and age, in our culture, but we have to speak the truth. Friends, strongly encourage you, take some time this week. Reread the gospel along with the first reading. It gives us a powerful exercise, powerful spiritual exercise to help us during the season of Lent. It helps us to open up, allow Jesus to cleanse the temple of our body, the temple of our soul. And it's in that act of self-emptying that Jesus now comes and he fills us up. He fills us up with all of his grace and with all of his blessings and his love and his mercy so that this can be truly a blessed and grace-filled Lenten season to prepare us to celebrate Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.